Tonight, a new front in the fight against Alzheimer's, an experimental treatment showing promising potential. A drug to slow the march of a devastating disease. It gives hope to, you know, people like my mom and, and millions of people. But do the benefits outweigh the risks? We've seen some fairly adverse outcomes. Commuter chaos after a severe snowstorm batters BC. We all stuck in the and on the bus for more than seven hours. And the winter outlook across the country. Plus, remembering music legend Christine McVie. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. A defining voice no, no. from Fleetwood Mac. No. National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. We begin tonight with some hope for people with Alzheimer's, where none existed before. A new drug that is definitely not a cure, but may slow the progression of the disease, thereby giving patients and their families the gift of more time. Nearly 570,000 Canadians are living with dementia, and that number is expected to rise to almost a million by the end of the decade. The annual cost to the healthcare system is over $10 billion. CTV's Adrian Gobriel on the promise and the many caveats on the new drug. Take my hands. A breakthrough breathing newfound optimism for Canadians who've received the dire diagnosis. You always have to have hope for something, and something like this is huge. Brad McIntosh's mother, Marjorie, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's 10 years ago. When she got into a car accident, and she didn't recall anything. That really was the final straw. Extending the quality of life for millions around the world like Marjorie may soon be possible. Over an 18-month trial, the drug has shown the ability to slow the progression of Alzheimer's by up to 27%. For a disease with no cure, researchers across the globe and here in Canada are taking notice. Why does this finding give you hope? We're finally seeing a drug have a, a positive impact on the neuropathology within within the brain. This week's findings ends decades of dead-end trials. The drug is called lecanemab, and it produces an antibody which attacks the protein in the brain, believed to, in part, cause Alzheimer's. We've seen not only does it remove that amyloid protein from the brain, we're also seeing a positive impact on the cognition. Although these effects are moderate at this time, so we can't get our hopes too up. Side effects are a concern. The drug was associated with brain swelling in nearly 13% of patients. Some also experienced bleeding in the brain, a symptom linked to two deaths in people receiving the drug in a follow-up study. It's also unknown what it could cost or what its effectiveness will be over longer periods of time. Though for those like the Macintoshes navigating the disease, today is welcome news as they fight to hold on to their loved one. Most of the time she thinks that I'm her brother or she doesn't recognize me. There's times that I've, you know, shed some tears. It's not about me, it's, it's about my mom. Um, you just try hard. There's no word if or when the drug will be granted here in Canada. A request to accelerate its approval has been filed in the U.S. Omar? Cautious optimism, Adrian. Thank you for this tonight. There is a sinister scam to tell you about tonight targeting Canadian seniors, and it's on the rise. It targets the elderly, pressuring them to hand over cash to save a family member. 
From January to August of this year, almost 600 seniors lost a total of nearly $5 million. That's double the amount in all of 2021. Here's CTV's Vanessa Lee on the fraudsters preying on the most vulnerable. Like hundreds of Canadian seniors this year, Eileen Lawson received a terrifying call she won't soon forget. They knew my name. She was told her granddaughter was in police custody after being in a car accident with a loaded gun found in the trunk. I was totally freaked out. I was shaking, which is not normally me. And all I could think about is my granddaughter um, being in a cell, locked up there. The caller told Lawson her granddaughter would be released if she paid a $10,000 cash bond. But there was a gag order. She had to keep quiet. Once she handed over the money, she realized it was all a lie. She is sharing her story in hopes no one else will fall victim. Every night when I go to bed, I relive it. Police across the country are seeing a rise in criminals using what is known as grandparent scams, which have been swindling seniors out of retirement savings for more than a decade. What we're seeing locally is that there's an in-person element. It's not just online, and um, that's concerning to me. It's not only f financially consequences, there's it's also emotionally consequences where these victims usually are going to have a sense of fear, discouragement, shame. Police say seniors who get such a call should hang up and not provide any information to the caller and not send any money. Call family members right away, especially the family member in question, and report the crime. Be mindful or be careful of what you post online. Scammers can use details, share it on social media platforms. Eileen Lawson got her $10,000 back from her banks as a gesture of goodwill. She is among the lucky ones. Police say too often, all of that hard-earned money is gone. Omar. Vanessa Lee in Montreal tonight. Vanessa, thank you. Ontario's health minister is defending the province's vaccination efforts tonight, despite criticism from the Auditor General on the rollout and confusing booking system. About 227,000 appointments were made that weren't filled. The report noted Ontario wasted 9% of its vaccines, or about 3.4 million doses. A troubling reminder tonight of the importance of protecting your children online. Police in Ontario have wrapped up a month-long investigation into child exploitation and the results are staggering. Police say 107 people were arrested. 428 charges were laid, safeguarding 60 children. After investigators scoured the Internet looking for offenders. In one instance, foiling a plan to kidnap and abuse young children. And it's been a busy 24 hours for police on B.C.'s south coast after a fierce snowstorm led to collisions and stranded motorists. A sign of things to come, according to a new forecast. The Weather Network is predicting colder and snowier conditions across most of the country in December. CTV's Melanie Nagy now on BC's first blustery bite. Watch out! As people scrambled away, a row of abandoned cars was hit by an out-of-control transit bus. With the icy road, it slid several feet before stopping. The accident, just one of dozens caused by a nasty winter snowstorm. The first to batter BC's south coast this year. The freezing temperatures moved in late yesterday, and as the snow grew heavier, the evening commute turned to chaos. Just way too icy out. Yeah, like. 
just icy as all hell out here. Major highways across Metro Vancouver were packed with vehicles stuck bumper to bumper. I've been trying to get home from West Van for four hours. In some cases, what should have been a 45-minute trip took hours to complete. It wasn't just motorists not moving. Bus can go, go, is that what it is? Transit users were also stranded in the snowy mess. We all stuck in the and on the bus for more than seven hours. Rajveer Bhatti spent most of the night caught in gridlock. No water, our phone charger, charging was dead, and no food, nothing. With no hope of the bus moving, Bhatti and the other passengers walked to a nearby temple where they stayed till morning. They provide us free food, free hot drinks, uh, places to rest and sleep. Some parts of the region were blanketed in up to 20 centimeters of snow. The frigid conditions canceled numerous flights and caused a plane to veer off the taxiway. No one was injured. Along with the snow, there were strong winds that toppled trees and left thousands without power for several hours. Today, with the storm gone, the focus was on cleanup. Just doing my bit to make sure the sidewalks are cleared. Sidewalks were cleared fallen trees removed and city streets were plowed. The storm that pummeled BC's south coast has now moved east, but the snow could return Friday. Omar? Another potential round. All right, Melanie, thank you. Albertans are still buzzing over a series of earthquakes yesterday that sent tremors across the province. I was standing and I actually had to like hold on to the wall because it was like shaking that much. The 5.8 quake was the largest ever recorded in Alberta. And the day after Alberta Premier Danielle Smith introduced her new Sovereignty Act, the Prime Minister said he'll take a close look at the legislation. Justin Trudeau says nothing is off the table when it comes to how he'll respond. But I'm also not looking for a fight. Uh, we want to continue to be there to deliver for Albertans. There's going to be things that we agree with that government on. There's going to be things we disagree with them on. The controversial legislation would grant the Alberta government the power to direct provincial agencies not to enforce federal rules. When territorial sovereignty is tested by humanitarian crisis, countries still limit just who and how many cross their border. On Ottawa's promise to eventually resettle 40,000 vulnerable Afghans, 25,400 have landed so far. CTV's Genevieve Beauchemin found refugees still waiting in Pakistan, living in housing they say is substandard. That's subsidized for now until Canada makes them pay for it later. For tens of thousands of Afghans, Pakistan was to be just a stop on the run from the Taliban. Good one. Good one. But many are still trapped in limbo. We traveled to an Islamabad hotel to meet some of the families we've followed since the fall of Kabul. So nice to meet you. This is Temulbek Shambia. Nice to meet you. We plead with Canada to take us in, says Gul Afros. We keep potato and tomato here. Refugees face tough conditions as the wait for safe haven in Canada drags on. If I go back to Afghanistan, uh, the situation will get worse. I will be killed, but at least I try to hide my family somewhere. Reza Kateb worked on Canada-funded projects to promote education and gender equality. He escaped to Pakistan in October 2021. Then I was beaten up, and then my wife... You, 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 you gloss some over that I was beaten yeah, up, and yeah, you just yeah, say yeah. that. What do you mean by that? Tell me the story. So they were beating uh, everyone. Go away. Uh, like 
infidels, spies. Now the Katebs wait for Canada to process their applications, along with thousands of others, including Mohibullah Khan Mohammad. He worked as an interpreter for the Canadian Armed Forces. Now he's not allowed to work in Pakistan, has no income. We don't have the money for basic needs, like medications, because we are human, human beings. Some, referred by Canada's High Commission in Islamabad, do have a place to stay and food. For the Katebs, it's these two rooms in a hotel organized by the IOM, the International Organization for Migration, a service provider for Ottawa. This room doesn't have refrigerator. We keep our medication, our fruits, our vegetable on the floor. Air condition over there is not working, so there is zero sunshine. The hotel and would not tell us how much they charge the IOM for the room. The Katebs haven't received a bill yet, but they will have to repay the government once they land in Canada. <laughs> Ronalee Carey is an Ottawa immigration lawyer and is part of a group sponsoring a refugee from Afghanistan who arrived in Canada today. I think it's deplorable that the Canadian government is putting refugees in debt for when they first arrive. There's got to be a better way to handle this. For Kateb, speaking about the conditions in his hotel, his life in limbo came with risks. Do you guys have any approval from, uh, from, to any, take, from any authority to take the of this family? I'm just not sure what authority you, you're referring to, which... Hotel staff interrupted our interview. We are sharing our concern because and then I, wa I want my wife to be here. After nearly an hour of negotiations, we were allowed to go on. Hello. But they're, they're, they're free to talk to whoever they want, right? They're either refugees or not prisoners. Yeah, they are, but we can't... And Kateb says he will continue to speak out for his family and for other Afghans he has long worked to protect. My children and my wife deserve to live in peace and prosperity. I know, I, we were all born in the wrong country. The IOM says it provides housing in 60 hotels and guest houses, three meals a day, and monitors the accommodations. And Ottawa says it's working as quickly as possible to resettle Afghan refugees. Omar. Heartbreaking stories told with such courage. CTV Genevieve Boshme in Islamabad tonight. Time for a short break, but when we come back, it wasn't the response she wanted. A royal aide accused of racism. Plus, morning Fleetwood Mac's Christine McVie. The first overseas trip for the Prince and Princess of Wales since the death of Queen Elizabeth II is being overshadowed by a royal resignation and concerns of racism at Buckingham Palace. CTV's chief international correspondent Paul Workman has more. A Buckingham Palace reception hosted by the Queen Consort on a very significant topic, violence against women and girls. Except one of the guests, Ngozi Fulani, seen here not far from Queen Camilla, left the event deeply troubled after a conversation with a royal lady-in-waiting. The conversation posted on Twitter went something like this. But what nationality are you? I'm born here and am British. No, but where do you really come from? Where do your people come from? My people? Lady, what is this? Lady Susan Hussey served Queen Elizabeth for more than 60 years. That's her in the car on the day of Prince Philip's funeral last year. 
She offered profound apologies, said Buckingham Palace, and is no longer in royal service. She demanded to know where I was from. No, really, where I was from. No, where I was really from. And no matter how many times I answered her, it wasn't the response she wanted. Mandu Reid witnessed the conversation and said it was very uncomfortable I for any black person. I'm tired of all this talk about the Commonwealth and um, all of that because it rings hollow when people like us who are invited to an event are effectively treated as outsiders. It tells you that there's an institutional racism problem. All very awkward for the Prince and Princess of Wales as they began a royal visit to the U.S. Lady Hussey is William's godmother. Through a spokesman, he said it was right that she should step aside, adding that racism has no place in our society. By coincidence, William's brother, Prince Harry, and his wife, Meghan, will receive a prestigious Human Rights Award next week for standing up to institutional racism in the monarchy, Omar. The Ukrainian president also getting that same award on Tuesday. Paul Workman in London tonight. Paul, thank you. And a quintessential product of French cuisine has also received special recognition. The baguette was added to the list of intangible cultural heritage by the United Nations in Morocco today. Nearly 400 traditional bakeries have been closing annually, and the designation will help preserve artisanal methods to make the bread, which, by the way, was actually invented by an Austrian. Who knew? Still ahead, what comes after Canada's final game? You'll not find anyone as passionate as, as I am about this program. Canada's coach talks about his future. A new portrait of who we are as a country is out tonight, focusing on the changing workforce. The numbers show a lot of businesses are looking to hire, yet many workers are struggling to find the right job. CTV's Judy Trin on The Disconnect. Canada has the most workers over the age of 25 with post-secondary education among G7 countries. 57.7% of our population uh, has uh, you know, a degree or a diploma, um, and um, you know, that serves us well when it comes to uh, you know, our, our, our labor force. The data also shows that a record 1.3 million immigrants joined the Canadian workforce between 2016 and 2021. 60% of them have a bachelor's degree or higher, but many can't find work in their field. Yeah, it actually has been a struggle, I would say. Pascal Shahoub arrived in Canada from Lebanon in 2019. She has a master's degree and speaks English, French, and Arabic. She worked as a translator in Lebanon, but can't get hired as one in Ottawa. So she's applying for administrative work. People would tell me, you are overqualified for the position you are applying for. This untapped potential exists at a time of critical labor shortages. From construction to information technology to healthcare, there were nearly one million open jobs in September. Employers say they can't find workers with the right skills or who live in places where they are hiring. Wages have also not kept up with inflation. Experts say employers need to remove systemic barriers to diversify their workforce and invest in training new recruits. In a tightened labor market, any barriers that an employer puts in their way is only going to do them a disservice. To deal with the acute labor shortages, the federal government is increasing its immigration targets. By 2025, Canada will welcome half a million permanent residents annually. 
Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa. The coach of Team Canada says he would like to keep his job for the next World Cup hosted in Canada, the United States and Mexico. You know, I've done 11 years in this country, um, 11 great years, I've had a great time, love the country, love the people, and excited for 2026. But for now, Herdman and the team are focused on tomorrow's game against Morocco. Coverage begins at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on CTV and all TSN platforms. After the break, paying tribute to a Fleetwood Mac legend. Finally tonight, we remember the songbird who provided the soundtrack for a generation. Christine McVie, best known as a member of Fleetwood Mac, died today at the age of 79. CTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters on the artist who left this world just as she came into it. She was born perfect, Christine Perfect, and began her career as the memorable voice of a now-forgotten group called Chicken Shack. A fan of Fleetwood Mac, she married bass player John McVie and then joined the band herself. But only the musical partnership would last. As a singer and songwriter, Christine McVie helped transform the veteran blues rockers into a pop juggernaut. Say You Love Me was just one of her songs on the band's self-titled breakthrough album. And then came 1977's Rumors. Selling some 40 million copies, it became one of the biggest albums of all time, with McVie writing two of its biggest hits, Don't Stop, and one inspired by a road to a romance with the band's lighting director. She was still with the band for its 1998 induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But by then, she had announced that she was leaving. I had developed a chronic fear of flying, so that, that inhibited my movements a lot. Welcome back, Chris! Eighteen years later, she returned. Now, among the many tributes, one of the most personal is from bandmate Stevie Nicks, quoting Himes' Hallelujah and saying, You've been with me all along. Of course, through music woven into our culture, Christine McVie has been with all of us all along. But while songs might last forever, people never do. Not even those who were born perfect. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles. Our music lives on such a memorable voice. And that is a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching and see you tomorrow.